you have to not only direct the people that work for you, but you have to see the entire field of your competition, of the landscape, of the industry, of the players and movers and all of this stuff. And it takes a while to teach that global view. But once you have it, then the decisions you make are easier because you're like, okay, it's almost like playing chess. You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted, insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting-edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now, here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Well, welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Today in studio, I've got joining me a friend and a fellow email marketer, as well as a fellow member of the Only Influencers Group, uh, which is basically the all the leading experts around the world in the email marketing space. Uh, my guest today is Ryan Phelan. He is the co-founder of a company called Origin Email. Ryan brings nearly two decades of uh, global online marketing experience to original email, and he's focused on driving GTM strategies for high growth SaaS software and Fortune 250 companies. Ryan is a respected thought leader in the industry. He's a nationally distinguished speaker, and he has a history of working with very large brands and, and bringing them success. Companies such as Adestra, Axiom, Blue Hornet, Sears Holding, Responsus, and Info USA. Ryan has developed digital strategies for companies like Canadian Tire, Capital One, Hewlett Packard, Skype, uh, CenturyLink, Sprint, FedEx, First National Bank of Omaha, US Bank, and many others. In 2013, he was named one of the top 30 strategists in online marketing and is the chairman of Emeritus and the email executive council on the advisory board. Ryan is also involved in many other companies in the startup space, as well as advisor, board member, and investor. What you might not know about Ryan is apparently he is a wicked guy cook in the kitchen as well as the barbecue and has a very extensive wine list and collection at his home. So we somehow need to find a way to get invited over to his place for dinner. So I'd like you to join me in welcoming Ryan Phelan to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Well, hey, Ryan, welcome to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Hey, thanks, Doug. I'm, I'm so honored to be here. This is really going to be fun. So thank you. Well, I think so as well. I mean, uh, you've got a long, uh, you know, a long track record helping people in digital and especially in the email space. And that's how we connected was through the only influencers group. And I had a number of guests on my podcast over the years. And when I've asked about people, um, your names come up. I was just putting together um, an email proposal for somebody in the U.S. And they said, yep, I'm working with Ryan. Ryan's helping me. So um, welcome to the show. Oh. Super excited to, to draw out all of your expertise and help our, our uh, listeners solve all their marketing problems in the next 30 to 45 minutes. Man, that's going to be amazing. I am <laughs> I am so glad I'm sitting down and strapped in for this one. That's great. So why don't you walk us through uh, kind of what you're doing now? Because you, you're offering a service I think is, is, is quite unique in terms of uh, helping uh, business owners make the right marketing decision. So why don't uh, you explain what it is that you're doing? Yeah. So for the last probably year and a half, 
I have been a fractional CMO for a number of companies. And what that involves is there's a lot of organizations, a lot of companies out there that don't have the budget or the headspace uh, to have a full-time CMO, but they need the direction. They want to level up their game. They want to expand it into a new opportunity. They just have reached a ceiling with their, you know, with their current strategies and, and they're, they're wanting to take it to the next level. And so they hire somebody like me that will come in and help them not make the mistakes that I've made over the last 20 years, right? Or, or that a lot of the companies in the space have made and, and really amplify not only the good things they're doing, but kind of tweak their current processes and thinking and, and help them with their strategy. And, and it can take all kinds of uh, different uh, avenues, right? For some companies, I'm doing full deep dive into their marketing and talking with their people and working on USPs and working on marketing plans and budgets. And then other ones are, are hey, I, you know, we're going to meet for a half hour every week and I've got some questions and I want to know about this company and who's this person I talk to. And, and it, so it, it's, it's everything in between. But what is, what is really exciting, Doug, is that I get to uh, uh, not do any of the work. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I uh, <laughs> Direct the I, team. Is I direct the team, and and yeah. that's the that's the fun part is is being able to see the inner workings of some of the companies in the email space that have been around for a long time and outside the email space, learning what they do and what life looks like outside of this this uh, echo chamber of email. Well, and in a different role too. I mean, I think they said last stats I looked at is the average CMO at a big company lasts forty three months. Yes. So it's kind of like a coach on a sports team. They they turn over, they turn them over pretty quick. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you're taking the approach of, hey, let me step in. And I, I love that where, hey, I need a half an hour a week. Or I need an hour a week. or I need someone a couple hours a week who has deep, deep expertise, has seen a lot of stuff go right, seen a lot of stuff go wrong, and can just come in at an advisory role and work with the team they've got. Yeah. And what's, what's good, and I try to make sure that I have these kind of clients and partnerships, is being able to come in and say the answers to the questions or be asked the question and not have a debate back and forth. If there's a discussion, it's great, but I don't spend a lot of time with, are you sure about that? Or, you know, it's, it's in a half hour, I can give more advice than some people can give in, in a half day session, right? Because I'm just, you know, drill it down to what, what the answer is and what the solution is and point them in the right direction. They're like, great, go in there. And they're off to the races. Yeah. What a great, what a great way to, to, to operate. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. So where do you find the big leverage points today? I mean, you've, you know, you're not a brand new guy sitting at the, uh, at the table talking about marketing. So you've got expertise and, and probably watched all of the, you know, um, pre, uh, pre-email, all the direct mail, direct response, TV, radio stuff transition. Now we're well into digital. And, and so we've got all the new digital stuff coming and we've got all the, you know, the, kind of the old uh, standbys, the SMS and, and email. So what do you see right now in terms of the, the low hanging fruit as you're working with these companies? I think it's a lot of the basics and tweaking. And this has been when I was doing strategy over the last 20 years for companies, a lot of it is tweaking the basics and just saying, here's the outside approach and here's, you know, tweak this, maybe add this in. It's, it's, you know, let's tighten this up. Let's align your brand to what the communication is. And a lot of time when you get in that tactical execution, you lose the strategy piece of it. You lose the original. When you first developed a program, you lose that that strategic insight when you get further down the road and you don't adapt it. So a lot of my initial work with companies is 
let's rethink where our customers are today, not where they were when you developed the program initially. And so we we spend a lot of the time in the 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 just the cleanup, and then it's about okay, how do we make this better? How do we how do we you know now that we've got a stable kind of a threshold or or a KPI, how do we level this up? And how do we add new technologies? How do we use real time email? How do we use data effectively? How do we use marketing automation to its fullest extent? Right, and then. The one thing that I think I work on with all is this, is what does the global field look like when you're making decisions, right? So as an effective C-level person or effective leader, you have to not only direct the people that work for you, but you have to see the entire field of your competition, of the landscape, of the industry, of the players and movers and all of this stuff. And it takes a while to teach that global view. But once you have it, then the decisions you make are easier because you're like, okay, it's almost like playing chess. This is, I'm going to make this decision and this is how it's going to affect this. And here's how it's going to be taken by this group or this group or this group. And here's, you know, what my competition is doing and all that kind of stuff, that global view, that global strategic view, I think at any level from a, a marketing manager all the way up to a C-level is incredibly important to learn, practice and, and perfect. Well, I mean, the landscape has changed so much. Oh, it has. Uh, you know, I, I I just said to somebody in a meeting yesterday, I said, you know, I would really hate to be the marketing guy for a mature CRM that's got huge legacy data and huge legacy systems with a lot of the newer nimble stuff coming in. I mean, I'd be looking at how much budget do I need to spend on kind of re-engineering my tool right. to make sure that it's relevant in today's, like you said, their global marketplace and the integration of all the new technology that, yeah. that's, you know, coming and, and whether we want it or not. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I, you know, I gave a keynote back at the OI conference and it was, it was about the, the ages of email. And I took the audience through from 1998, actually from the early days of email, even before 98 up through today and what has changed and, and where we've been and what the innovation arc has been with this industry. And from you know, technology that was a flat email that you sent off of a desktop software to, you know, companies that are massive in scale, sending billions of emails a day. I mean, it's you look at the technology changes and, yeah, it's hard to keep up with all of the new, bright, shiny stuff. And the challenge I always have had throughout my career is what's the right shiny stuff that actually moves the needle or makes a difference, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, I talked to That's a guy the other day and he was talking about emojis yeah. and subject lines and he's like, I see them all over the place. I said, yeah, because it's new and bright and shiny and, and people think everybody's, everybody's doing it. Doing you give it, it yeah. six months and people yeah. will move on to something other bright and shiny and then you'll find a countdown clock and you'll be fine, you know. It is. It's tough. It's it's yeah. re it's really tough. I think it's the same way with the channels too, right? I mean, there's yeah. all these media channels you can use. And I, I had interviewed a guy on my podcast as a PR marketing guy. And he says, you know, find find a channel that works for you. You know, if you're not a video person, then don't do video or learn to do video if you're a writer. But he said, find a channel and don't, don't run all the channels. And I think it's the same. I see the same thing when people are working with someone like you or they're working with someone like me and they're saying, okay, these are all the things I want. 
And, you know, lots of times, like you said, they don't, they don't need those. They need to focus, get the basics right first. And then, you know, then pick a, then, then strategy for, for moving forward. Yeah. You know, I did a, I did a project once for a, a huge, huge uh, communications platform. And one of the things, and I did it with a friend of mine, Gretchen Scheiman, incredibly smart. And she and I worked on this project along with David Baker. And one of the things we focused in on was this thought about, and it connects to what channels do I get, right? We, we focused in on looking at, at channel propensity and all of the customers that we were going to impact by the marketing strategy that we had. And we, we came at the premise of, listen, we, we want to talk to people in email that, are, that will react to email. And we want to move the ad dollars that we don't send to people. And we want to say, okay, if you're stronger in video, then we want to advertise in video. If we're if you're as an individual stronger on direct mail, we're going to send you a direct mail piece. And so we focused on the consumer from where are they best receptive to the media message. And that translates to what you're saying, which is on the marketer side, really look at what your channel propensities are for your customers. Where are your customers and how do you reach them effectively? And don't put square pegs in round holes by making somebody that doesn't think email is effective or doesn't react to email. Don't force it down their throat. See where else they're, they're, they're hitting at and appeal to them there. And then try to take the friction out of that transaction. I think the um, I don't I don't know lots about your um, your personal habits other than I, I was told that you make a really you cook a really mean steak. I'm <laughs> and I'm I'm assuming that you know that when you're having steaks you're normally drinking wine. Um, I don't know. If yes. Okay. So, uh, you know, if you follow Gary Vaynerchuk and yep. you look at his wine club, I've been using uh, text messaging for clients on and off for the over the years, and and uh, it's fallen into the same bucket that you know the uneducated talk about it doesn't work and it's and, and is dead and he shows up with this text message to, for you to order wine and every day you get a recommendation a list you get the you know the wine speculator details and you get pricing and the only thing you need to do to order is in the response is you just need to type in the number of bottles you want right so he's taken all the friction out and so th these guys are selling out the entire inventories Every day, seven days a week, they've taken an old technology, found a, an audience that likes that, you know, that form of communication and then taken all the friction out of doing the transaction. I don't have to click. I don't have to go to a landing page. I don't have to go anywhere. I just type in 12 and then I get a conf confirmation back going, hey, 12 bottles are on their way. Well, that's that. And what Gary's done with that business, I mean, he's got a long history in wine. That's where he started, right? And and I love what he's done with that brand and, and with that product, right? I'm a wine guy. I got, I have 300 bottles sitting in my house that, that I try not to drink, you know, on a regular <laughs> basis because <laughs> then I'll be out and then I'll have to buy more. Yeah. But, it, you know, it, the friction is what we're what we're eventually getting to as as technology increases. You look on the web; it's all about how fast can I get you to where you need to be? How fast can how, how fast can Amazon show up at the door? And you talk about drones flying over your head with a package, and I'm like, bring it on! I want to see I want to see them everywhere, right? And and we're getting to that speed culture. There's some drawbacks to that, but we're getting to that instant gratification culture 
and demand with our technologies, it's exciting when it's done right. And I think it's I think what Gary's doing and and you know what Amazon does and and all these other companies that are looking at different technologies are 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 great. But I mean back to your point of you know what does your global market look like? I heard a speaker a couple of years ago, his name's Rasmussen Ankerson. Okay. And he wrote a book, um, Hunger in Paradise, and he had a uh, a number of large clients. SAP was one, and Lego was was another. And they talked about you know in, with Lego at one point talking about the competition for Lego. Everyone thought was big blocks, and the C, the new CEO came in, the new marketing guys, and said, "How do you how do you you know beat these guys to do a better job when we're crushing our category year after year? Our profits are going up." And he said, "So I don't agree anymore that big blocks is our competition. Our competition is the iPhone." Hmm. He okay. said, because he says, given, you know, kids at their age and given a budget to spend, are they going to yeah. want to build blocks? Are they going to want a digital tool? He said, so now our competition kind of like to your point, the global view has been raised from competing with somebody on the block business now competing with Apple. Mm-hmm. So we're not, we're not so big anymore. So what did they do? They integrated. They made a way that uh, the kids could use the blocks, take a picture with their iPhone, upload it into the website and actually play with their designs online. See, that is great adaptation of your brand, right? That's a, a mistake that a lot of companies make is that they they get stale. They don't change. They don't adapt. They think that they're – it's almost an, a brand arrogance. Yeah. that's a, Either that or, 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 you know, um, and probably in a lot of cases, blindness. You're, you're so yeah. focused because the other example he gave was Nokia. And he went, clearly Nokia was a better phone. It had better battery life. You could drop it off a building, drive over it with a truck. Right. And when iPhone came out, all the engineers at Nokia said, hey, nobody's going to buy it. It's overpriced. The battery sucks. And when you drop it, it breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, well, we know how that story ended. Yeah. And BlackBerry and, you know, yeah. go down the, the list of companies. I used to work for Sears Kmart. Look at Sears Kmart. Look at a lot of the department stores and, and brick and mortars that have taken – too long, and I think they've caught up. Uh, they're catching up or caught up. That's an area of debate. But how, how are how did they just sit around and go? Oh, people are always going to want to touch and feel the product, so we'll have our department stores. Well, yeah, I mean Sears had the had the three hundred and fifty page catalog, mm-hmm. um, and they were in every home. And so, how did Amazon come and eat their lunch? Yeah. And it's surprising because of the coverage both of those stores had in the United States. If you think about the distribution model that Sears and Kmart had, if they would have capitalized on that, you know, one of the things early on that Amazon struggled with was that distribution is that how do I do two days when I don't have a warehouse close? Yeah. And if you look at sales, Sears and Kmart, they literally had that kind of coverage and had it for a bunch of years before Amazon was even born. And so why wasn't that abit, that adaptation taken? Well, everybody thought, oh, everybody will always be cataloged. People want to come and feel and touch it and whatever. And you've got to look, and I love your Lego example because it's it's not just thinking within your vertical as to who your competition is. It's thinking outside of your vertical and seeing that global view of, what what, what is going on out there and what's the effect of, of my sales? Is it is it X, Y, or Z, uh, Z, right? Yeah, I mean, and there's been some companies that have been able to bridge that gap. I think of one that I like because I'm a taller guy is Eddie Bauer. Yeah. So I can go in and I can shop at any of the stores anywhere in North America, or I can order online and I can have it shipped to my home or I can have it shipped to the store and not pay for shipping. And if I want to return it, I can take it back to the store. So they leverage what Sears and Kmart could have done to stay relevant in both digital and tactile. Yeah. 
and and people just want you know now it's now two day shipping from Amazon seems slow. Isn't that funny? <laughs> I know. I look at stuff and and now I find myself saying to my wife, "Well, she says I can't find that." So did you look on Amazon? So that's my, my yeah question. yeah. Did you? Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> go go there. My mother in law it, it loves to rub that into my father in law, just saying, "Oh, just go get it off of Amazon," and and you know, a day <laughs> later it shows up or whatever, because we've got a yeah. massive Amazon facility, two massive Amazon facilities in Dallas, uh, which is cool. So being that you're at the, you know, you've got your finger on the pulse in terms of marketing and you get to see these, you know, a variety of different companies, what's got you most excited, you know, in the, in the coming, in the coming year, it could be clients, it could be a direction, it could be a technology I, making you wake up early every day. Yeah, I think it's, it, it, it is data, right? And, and I think everybody says that, right? Since, since we started coining the term big data and I, rolled my eyes when I heard that one. But it's just everywhere. And I think, you know, a lot of the things we've pitched out in email and and have pitched out in digital, people grab onto and they're like, hey, this is cool and I'll go in this direction. But the data stuff, the discussions around data, from privacy to its use to relevancy to what you see online, it's everywhere and it's hard to dismiss it. And it's almost like you're living in a box if you if you say, I'm just not going to send an email that's not using data in some way. And I think that, you know, email has always been challenged over the years for being archaic. Right. And and it's it's because it's so darn cheap and it's so darn easy and it's, you know, not invested. And we have team, you know, people that come in and have a lifespan of two to three years in email. And, you know, all of the all of the arguments that you hear about why email hasn't evolved. But I think that one of the things that's encouraging that gets me excited is because of the propagation of data in everything that we do and the availability of it, it's just harder to ignore. And so what I see in the next year is we start to see the 53% of people that are doing some sort of segmentation start to increase at a quicker pace than it has over the last probably 15 years. Because I get a lot of questions about it. Even my institutional clients that are huge financial services companies are coming around to that idea and the aspect of, hey, what else can we do in data sciences? What else can we do in augmenting our our data with third-party data and using that in models and, and all this kind of stuff? The sophistication has started to increase because it's almost – it's too hard to deny that this stuff is out there and that you, you know – can use it right yeah i mean i love I, you know I, i'm kind of geeky that way so uh, you know i love looking at what what's available and i what i think is you know on, on both sides one is the consumer doesn't realize um how much data that they've freely given up yeah. um and how much you know oh, is, God, is yes. in the marketplace that's a fun game for me to play sorry, <laughs> the, with my mom right early on yeah. in the internet and i and i've done this for the last 20 years and it's just hilarious right early on the internet i was sending emails you know off of my desktop on an app, right? On a program. And my mom would be interested. So what are you doing? What's your job? And I come home and I describe email <laughs> campaigns. She's like, oh, that's cool. And then I'd freak her out and I go, yeah, I can tell exactly what you clicked on and when you opened it and what you did on the website. Yeah. And of course she's screaming down the hall going, oh my God, oh yeah. my God, oh my God. And so, you know, it, it, it's fun to tell my mom and, and people how much data you have and what the importance of your email address is. Right. 
Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's fun. Well, I think though, what I, what I noticed this last week is um, I'm heading in, into a training session in the city today with a really smart guy that I, that's, you know, he's a digital marketing guy. There's a content development and he released a survey uh, just last week. And so, you know, the perspective of is, you know, is email dead or is it, is it, is it well and alive was, was evident when he reached out to his um, followers and said, you know, here's, here's three things or four things, which is the most important to you in terms of building your business, you know, content strategy and a blog. And he went through these things. And one of them was building your email list. Right. And um, like 90% of the business owners said, build your email list. Right. Yet often when I listen to the marketing people going, hey, well, what about this? What about that tactic? And so, like you said, it may be, you know, seen as archaic, but even if you're doing it poorly to be able to own your data and own your platform and have control of what you do with yeah. that data um, is still, you know, the, the eight figure guys who are making, you know, you know, consultants that are making serious coin are all making it because they've built a big list. They've treated their people well and they communicate, even if it's poorly in that platform. Not that they're not, you know, doing all the rest of the stuff that they're not doing videos and Facebook ads, but that seems to be their rock and their bank. Yeah. You know, what's what's funny, Doug, is that in the last week I've said these two things. I said email is the only ch- and I've said this for years. Email is the only channel you can suck at and still make money. <laughs> And it's true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look at your inbox. How many people yeah. just absolutely fail at email and they're still making a ton of money off of it and engagement and all that stuff. And it's it's it, it's just amazing. And this this whole discussion around email is dead is God, I wish people would just stop. It's like if you think email is dead, then just delete all your emails and just shut it all down. And let's see how that really goes. But we all know how it's going to go. So, yeah, it, it, it's just a, you know, it's a narrative that has, you know, uh, unfortunately from from Facebook's founding, Sheryl Sandberg just won't, you know, I wish instead of, you know, I, I wish that saying would die instead of the discussion around his email dead. Right. Well, I go back and forth. Part of me thinks, you know, I should, you know, I, I need to speak up. And other part, other times I'm thinking, you know, I just need to keep quiet. We're just helping our clients make buckets of money over here. And, yeah. you know, you guys can be chasing the latest shiny object and we're going to keep crushing it in this corner uh, while you're not paying attention, which is which is great for my clients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, I mean, the identification of the consumer. And here's one thing that I think has been a, a great discussion or a great enlightening of people over the last probably three, four years is that your email address is your digital social security number. You sign into your bank, you sign into Facebook, Twitter, you sign into uh, your insurance, your doctors, your, you know, but name me a place where you don't use email address to sign in. And it's, there's very few. And that identification across all of the data points, I used to work for Axiom. They had 3,900 or, and I think even think that's a low number. They had a, a zillion data points on 99% of the American population. All can be accessed using an email address as a primary identifier. Now, if you have a secondary, third, uh, tertiary key, that's great. Then you get a better match rate, but you still can use that email address as a primary identifier, and that's 
that's the propagation of why email is not only not dead, but absolutely critical to everything you do digitally. And that's not going to change anytime soon. No. And right now, I mean, we're working on strategy where, to your point of, of knowing who your, your customer is and how to reach them, that uses email and uses text and, and uses social and uses direct mail. So we've had a number of clients that have come back to us saying, hey, we want to we want to add direct mail to our, our digital strategy to to have another touch point with our consumers. And what we're finding is that, that you know, the there's not as much volume there. So there's less mail in the mailbox and there's in the email box and people are excited to to receive something from them in the post box opposed to just just the email box. So it comes to yeah. listening to the audience and, and finding them where they are, engaging with them on the, you know, where they are. Yeah. I You know, what's funny. One of my clients is, uh, can I mention the name? Is that okay? Sure. Yeah, uh, one ahead. of my clients is mailing.com. They're a 53-year-old direct mail company in Phoenix, Arizona. And I tell you, the dichotomy between my experience of email and and digital and working with them on what they print for their clients and what technology drives and the personalization you can drive, it's just amazing to see the flip side of that. And, And for me, just thinking of direct mail as, as an effective medium because of what it can do and how you can personalize it is is not that far off. And it's that it's not only, you know, this this the coordinated channel, which a lot of marketers think is multi-channel, but it's coordinated because it's just like we're going to have this look and feel in, in this ad and we're going to have this look at the same look and feel in the email. That's just coordinated. If you do truly omni-channel or truly multi-channel, you're really looking at what's the distinction in the channels and how can you use that channel effectively given the data that you have. And the stuff they're doing on direct mail is really neat. I mean, it's, it's personalization with text, it's personalization with images. It's this digital printing that they've had for a long time is is just amazing. So looking outside of your own medium is is incredibly effective as a reinforcement or a, a change of pace. Right. Well, and looking at how how you can tie something like that into um, to your digital strategy, where now you can do intentional direct mail when, as you know, when somebody visits your website for a certain amount of time, it can automatically trigger a mailer to go out without any you know user intervention. The technology just right. says, okay, this person was on the site for you know whatever your criteria is for two minutes, so we're going to fire them off a letter. And so it's kind of in the same category. Are you know people say emails archaic and direct mail is archaic. But the advancement in technology and artificial intelligence and and I'll use the word that we talked about, big data, is there to help you leverage those points if you want to tie them all together. Yeah. And with direct mail, you can even tell when the person gets it in their inbox. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. talk about yeah. uh, talk about taking what we do in email every day and transferring it to another medium. It's just, it, you know, I'm just amazed every time I go and see them. It's just like, this is really cool stuff, you know. Yeah, I'm a big fan of um, the book Blue Ocean Strategy. Okay, and trying to get out of the get out of the you know the the place where all the the, the sharks are fighting in the blood and step over some you know to a, to a, a place where there's a lot less competition and yeah yeah and sometimes it just takes a bit of thinking. So in terms of your the, the role that you fill fulfill as CMO, 
you know, what, what are you finding is really moving the dial for your clients in terms of bringing you in? So, um, you know, I'm assuming that the, that your client and correct me if I'm wrong, the client, you know, doesn't have somebody at your level, a senior level on staff full time. So they need somebody part time. Yes, correct. And what's kind of the big aha for them when, when, when you step into a company to help them out? I think it's, uh, so it's, it's, I'll answer that in two approaches. Number one is within the email space, I, I think I've got a pretty good reputation in, in this space in knowing what go has happened over the last 20 years, being involved in it, seeing all the things that have come and gone. And, and from an experience standpoint and what I did at, at my last company and what I've done at previous companies and in increasing their visibility and executing really a, an, an amazing go-to-market strategy with some incredible team members. I think that the aha moment is when I sit down with them and really look at their business and go, here's the opportunity that I think you're missing and that we can get fairly easy if we apply ourselves in this way and this one, this in this way. And so I think that that's the aha moment that I've had with a, a lot of the companies inside of the space is just I've been around for a long time. I know how to market companies and I know what the what the purchaser uh, looks like and, and what they need. I think outside of the space, it's the digital strategies and the discipline of that strategic global view that I bring in and just say, take a step back. What's the strategic approach? And how about we help you get into digital in a smart way that's data centered? And that's, I think, been the, the biggest thing is bringing in the starting off from let's let's fix the basics, but then going instantly to, OK, we're going to get you into the digital world and the data filled world darn quick. And here's how we're going to do it. And they like that approach because they've thought about it, they've seen it, they've read about it, and they're like, God, it's going to take us too long to do it ourselves. We need somebody really to help us with it. And and I think my style with my clients is is helpful because I'm not a corporate guy. I just like talking to you is, you know, hey, let's 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 think about this plainly and easily and let me explain it to you and then let's get to it. Right. Yeah. And now how does that your role stepping in, how, how is the, I don't know what the correct word is, what's the politics like when you, when you come into a company that's, you know, you've got a CEO or a founder that's brought you in, they likely have some marketing people, they might even have a, a director of marketing in the company, you know, how have you found that transition as you, as you come in to work with a, a company like that? You know what, I make sure that I talk to the existing marketing team and make sure that they're comfortable with it. The politics, I'm, too old to care about politics anymore. What I want is is this this and, and when I so I'll, I'll tell you an example. I talked to a marketing director once, and I explained my services to to people as this is a partnership. I'm not your boss. You still make the decisions. You still you know uh, set the direction, and you can take my advice or you, or you don't. You don't have to, but I'm here to partner with you to help you do better. And at any point you feel like I've crossed a line, you tell me because you're in charge. Yeah. And so I give I give this power back of not being this lofty CMO with a great title and, and all this stuff. I come in and go in an org chart. I am under you. I am just helping you level up and pushing you and your team in the right direction. And I think that control uh, and that for lack of a better term, that humbleness is has made it easier for me to deal with not having to do with politics. And, and, you know, everybody's got an ego. But when I come into the companies, it's like, I'm just here to help, you know, 
Yep. No, and it makes it, I think the other thing that it does, at least my experience has shown is that, you know, because you're not an employee and, yep. and you're coming from the outside, you know, the, the senior management can look to you for your feedback and, and not necessarily your criticism, but looking for your feedback on what they're currently doing with somewhat more of an objective view. I mean, lots yeah. of times you have an employee that wants to say yes to whatever the boss says because if the boss said that. And I'm, I'm assuming in your role and just knowing a little bit about you, you're not likely to, you're not going to go down that track. It's like, no, this is what I think is best for you. And like you said, you can take my advice or not take it. But based on my my years of experience and, and my context in this space, that's where you need to go. Yeah, because I'm a... I'm a, I'm a, you know, when you get into a, any corporate environment, any company environment, the executives always have this lofty kind of, I got to do what they say kind of a thing. And me not being an employee, I'm just offering my opinion. You don't have to follow it. And the ramifications (laughs) of not following it are, you may make a mistake or you may do it. You may prove me wrong, but I don't, I don't, you know, I want you to succeed. That's my only motivation. Yeah. And, well, that's and, why I love data because th- yeah. these days with big data, I mean, we can sit and argue all day long about subject lines or ad copy for landing pages. But with data these days, you can take the ego out of it because analytics will will point you in the right direction. Oh, God. If I had a dollar for every time data had proven me wrong, I would be a rich man on a beach with a pina colada or something. <laughs> I swear. I mean, it's been it's been hysterical over the years. And, and to your point, even our, of arguments. Because when you're presented with it, gosh, you, 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 you can't argue with it. You can argue with the, how the model was built. You can argue with how it was put together, but you can't really argue with most outcomes. Yeah, I remember when multivariant testing first came in to be and yeah. there was companies charging, you know, $5,000 a month for software to do that. And now obviously you've got a lot of that stuff is free and looking at ad copy that produced and went, well, that, that's amazing. And now, you know, fast forward to today where we've got um, AI. So you and I can sit and arm wrestle all day long over what we think the best Facebook ad is. At the end of the day, the, you know, the response is going to be determined by the user and Facebook's going to report that. And if, you know, if you're using the right tools and, and show that ad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and it, I mean, we've seen it over and over and over again. God, I can't, you know, it, and it's got its downside, right? And, and the AI is great. Machine learning is great, but it's still programmed by a person. And, and I always caution people. It's sure. like, listen, it, you know, some, you know, some really smart schmuck sat there and programmed this model or programmed this, this artificial intelligence. And sometimes it's wrong and you've got to check yourself. And a perfect example of that is if you go to Amazon and cruise around, I, I got a link from a, a buddy of mine for a garage door opener. And I'm like, oh, what'd you get? He says, it's all, oh, it's Wi-Fi controlled and all this stuff. So I click on it and I go to Amazon and I look at it. And for like two weeks, I get these e- e- emails saying, hey, do you want a garage door opener? Here's every garage door that you have. And, you know, there's still some errors out there. And, and you know, AI is great, but make it realistic, make it accessible and check it because it's, you know, we still need to introduce the human element to behavior and intent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I get that comment all the time. People go, is that you that's following me around? Because every time I look at this now, I always see your ads for that. It's like, well, yeah, we do use that technology, but that might not be me in this in this particular instance. Right, right, right. It's it's scary, but I'm not that creepy. You know, I used to use the term creepy data, and I think it's still valid, right? And what- Yeah, it, yeah, it is. Yeah, for sure. And, and Like to be able to call somebody while they're still on your website freaks people out. It's like, hey, I see that you're still on my website and you haven't filled in the opt-in form yet. 
oh, it's nuts. It's just, you know, and I've run across some salespeople that are call me right away or email me right away and it's like oh come on folks you know they're on the intense scale where do you think i am now you know yeah it's nuts so you're speaking uh i know you do a lot of speaking um so what's some of the bad advice you hear around you know marketing and digital marketing in general oh god you blame Tim Ferriss for that question. It was in one of his books. And I thought, man, that's a good question. Because we all go to cocktail parties and speaking. You hear somebody in the corner just talking away. And you're thinking, man, I should just put a piece of tape on his mouth. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, the wrong, uh, that's the wrong advice. What did I hear? I was at a, I was at a little mixer. One of the agencies in the space threw a, a mixer uh, about a month ago. And this guy was telling me, and I hear this a lot over the last, you know, over the years is, Email is easy, and you should just blast the crap out of your people. And uh, <laughs> and and you know, email is not that important. Social is more important, and all this you know, just minimize. I think the general category is minimizing the importance of email in the digital strategy. That's the one that just pains me to hear because or simplifying email to the fact to to god it's so easy a chimp could do it well no a chimp can't do it you know it's 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 tough email is tough yeah you can do bad email and just put together a thing and and blast it to everybody guy i used to work with uh andrew cordick who's now over at an agency he he used to uh, rail years ago against don't say blast email and, and this, you know been one of those dirty words but sure. you know when you use that it's just a it's a devaluation of the channel and it's a devaluation of the customers to whom you're you're committed to and have given you their personal identifiable email address you know and and so you know when I hear this, just blast the crap out of it and it's easy and just put an email together and send it out. It's like, well, okay, talk to me in about a year and see if you still have a list worth a darn, right? Yeah, absolutely. So that's the one thing, you know, that pains me at conferences is is that people think that it's easy and cheap, fast and whatever, right? Well, I wrote a I wrote a newsletter out to my email list, I don't know, probably six weeks ago or maybe two months ago. And um, what I had done is taken a screenshot of my spam folder. Mm hmm. And I just highlighted all the all the people who truly had sent me unsolicited email. But what was interesting was that um, probably 70 or 80 percent of the people that were in the spam folder were emails from companies I had purchased a product or people that I intentionally subscribed to the list and I want their email. Yeah. And so you're right. It's it's not just a just a blast. There's a lot to make it happen, and you know probably not everyone goes and checks their spam filter. But the, now I won't mention the um, the IO member who sent me an email yesterday. Who's there? He was. So you know it happens to everybody. So it's not uh, not a just push the button and magic happens. You do need to understand what you're doing. Yeah, you got to know what 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 works, and and that's a lot of the stuff over the last you know zillion years. I've helped companies try to understand is. This is, you know, this is rocket science in some way. I mean, we minimize the knowledge that an email marketer should have, or excuse me, does have. And the ability to orchestrate a campaign from strategy to deployment and and beyond is much more in-depth than than I think a lot of the digital channels out there. And I, I don't think email marketers get enough credit. All the things <laughs> yeah. that we have to do 
to get an email into the inbox from IP warming to uh, deliverability to aged records to links to verbiage to subject lines to emojis to soft friendly froms to all that stuff. You orchestrate something like that, you might as well have a wand in your hand, right? And and I, I think it's it's it, it, one advice that I give to a lot of email marketers is, gosh darn it, stand up and and show how in-depth email is. Brag a little bit. Show what successes you've had. Cascade that stuff up the chain and, and show that email is not just about pushing a button. Pushing the button is stressful because of all the crap that you had to do <laughs> before you push the button, yeah. right? And, you know, it, 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 we just don't brag enough. And I think email marketers need to brag more. Well, I don't, you know, I agree and disagree. I agree that we need to be proud of what we're doing and the work that goes in. I try to tell my clients, be quiet. Don't tell people what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Next time you go to the hockey game or a football game, and you're having a beer with your buddies. Don't tell them what media we're buying. Don't tell them where your success is because we're going to increase the competition. So, Oh, yes, yeah. No, that's and I'm just talking about in, no, no. inside your own, your own company. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. So a couple of questions. I'll let you go back to uh, helping you move the sales dial for your clients. Yeah. Um, who's one guest do you think I absolutely have to have on the podcast? You know what? I mentioned her before. I would say Gretchen Scheiman. She's the director of marketing over at LiveClicker. Gretchen, God, I can't say enough. I've worked with her off and on since Sears, which if you look at my LinkedIn profile is a long time. And she so is- you're, So you're, you're not in your 20s anymore? No, no, probably no, yeah. just turned 30. Yeah. <laughs> God, I wish that would be fun. Um, <laughs> another top, another day. Another day, that's another podcast all by yeah, itself yeah, with yeah. a couch and, and therapy. Gretchen is one of the, I think one of the smartest people in the space. And just an amazing resource, and and I think she would she would be great on the podcast. Well, good. Could you make an email introduction? I will. I will with, there with pleasure. Okay, super good. Now, how can people track you down, learn more about you, what you're doing, and um, have a conversation with you? Yeah, originemail.com is the company's website. Come on, visit. There's a contact form at the bottom. Fill that out. And and you know what the, the fun about me is that I just love getting on the phone and talking to people about what they're doing and what they're seeing and, and what their experiences are. I'm not a sales guy. I'm a marketer. So it's in my whole approach is if you want to hire me, great. If you don't want to hire me and want a half hour of my time to ask me some questions, fantastic. I'm happy to do that because it's fun to stay in touch with what's going on in the world. But, you know, if you want to talk, I'm, I'm happy to do that. I'm also on Twitter. And if you want to know what I'm cooking, uh, you can check me out on Instagram because I'm the chef in the house. So I cook more than steak, but uh, <laughs> that's where I send everybody. It's like, what, where can I learn about you that doesn't involve email? And I'm like, go to Instagram because yeah, that's, that's got all my food. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who it was that was telling me they were getting together and having a steak uh, barbecue at your place and some wine. Um, oh, gosh. Anyhow, doesn't matter. It was someone, uh, someone in our space. I'll be darned. Yeah. So, hey, I just want to say thanks, Ryan, for taking time. I, had a, I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, love uh, connecting with you here and letting you share your superpowers with our audience. Thanks, Doug. It's been an honor, and I really appreciate you asking and including me in on, uh, on all of your fun. Thank you so much. So there you go, listeners. There's another uh, way for you to look at driving your uh, sales and marketing efforts, uh, the opportunity to bring in a fractional CMO, somebody who can come in for and have a discussion with you for half an hour, an hour, 
a day, whatever it is that you need to to move your business forward. Uh, somebody that has uh, no bias to your business, but an outside view, deep, deep experience, uh, years of experience and connections in the industry that could uh, could quickly make a few changes and, and turn around your organization. So I just want to say thanks again to Ryan for, uh, for chiming in today and uh, getting on this podcast and uh, sharing his knowledge. As usual, we'll make sure the show notes are transcribed. We'll have uh, links to Ryan's website and his social media there as well. So thanks for tuning in. We look forward to serving you on our next episode. That's all for this episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting dougmorneau.com and downloading our advanced marketing white papers as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode. That's dougmorneau.com. Until next time, we look forward to serving you right here on Real Marketing Real Fast.